and grab a seat today. Smile at somebody, you're a friendly church. So glad you found us today. Thank you for joining us, for navigating the change that is the venue menu. We're so thankful. This is our home for the most of the next two months. Most of the two next two months, except for Easter and long weekend in May, which we will be online. But you found us today. You found us today. We want to say hello to our uh, online church. Uh, Joy is joining us online today. Brian's on there to name a few. Um, we're so glad you're there. Paula, we're glad you've joined us today. Josh, you're on there today. We're so glad you've joined us for online church at a new time, but you found us. You found the right channel at the right time. And um, today our kids are having full ministry today. The coffee is flowing, and we are going to have church. Can someone say amen? We're in a series right now called Pillars. And we've heard a lot of comments about this series. And we get comments about most of our series, but we've had comments about people saying it's been convicting, it's been encouraging, it's been challenging. We started with the, the pillar of confession. Confession is more than just something that you do when you first give your life to Jesus. It's a daily thing. And you confess our weaknesses, confess our sin, confess our need for him. And, uh, it's a pillar in our lives. We're building something in our lives, in our church, in our lives. We just don't want to be shaken. We don't want to be a temporary. We're not here just to get through our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever you are. Our, our goal is to build a life that is faithful for a lifetime for Jesus. We talked about prayer. We talked about the, the power of prayer in our lives. That's a conversation. Prayer is not your, uh, it's not your spare tire. It's your steering wheel. You just don't bring it out when you're in need. You don't bring it out in emergency. We believe prayer steers our life. You need to know today, God wants to hear from you. And he wants to speak to you today. Talk about the, the pillar of giving. Giving, such a generous church, generosity. But there is a pillar of giving in our lives that we are overflowing with grace. It is proof that you've experienced the generosity of heaven when you are generous. And then last week, Pastor Matt preached so well on worship. Worship is more than karaoke. It's more than three songs. It is a lifestyle. There's power in worship. We make much of Jesus, uh, and God is doing something in our lives, building. Amen. If you have your Bible today, uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, going to start reading in verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles for you to take, but we bought them with your money, so just go enjoy them. Um, and in a couple weeks, we actually have, because our church is growing so diverse, we actually have some Korean Bibles coming and some Spanish Bibles coming. Um, so they're coming. Yep. Um, so if you don't have a Bible, grab it on the way out. We'd love you to take one. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. How many are there? How many are waiting for the iPad behind me to show it so you don't have to open your Bible? Whether you had a digital Bible, a phone, an iPad, a real Bible, just uh, it's a good habit to turn to your Bible in church. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. You missed a chance to say amen right there. This is my afternoon church. Come on, somebody. You should be louder than the morning crew. You are caffeinated. You are awake. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Oh, there you are. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Today, for the next few minutes, for the time allotted to me, I want to talk on the pillar this week. As again, we're desiring to build pillars in our life, to identify them, to build our lives off of, our faith off of these, that we would be strong in shaking times, in unpredictable times, that we would have a faith that is strong. We believe there are pillars in Scripture, and this one, the pillar of the Bible. If you're taking notes, write that down somewhere, the pillar 
of the Bible. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning, this afternoon. Lord, thank you that you're helping me adjust to that. God, I thank you that it's morning on the West Coast. We bless them for watching today. God, we thank you for our church. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are here. God, our desire is not just to have church, not just to have a club or a community, but God, our desire is that we leave here more like you, more in love with you, and more passionate about your plan for our lives. God, I pray you would help us today. Help our kids today learn your word. Help me preach your word well. Help us receive your word today. We leave here stronger in our faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said, a few weeks ago, I was given the best compliment I think a preacher can ever get. Now, please hear me. This is not me fishing for compliments. So I don't want to hear it in the lobby. I don't want to get texts. But I think I got the best compliment a preacher can get a few weeks ago when, when two of you, two different people at the exact same service, came up to me afterwards and said, Pastor, what I love about you, I've been coming to this church for a few months, and one person was three weeks, they said is that you preach the Bible. And I, as a preacher, as a pastor, that is the greatest compliment you can give. Um, you'll notice that I always start my sermons uh, reading the Word of God. See, it wasn't always the case. I remember when I was 21, I was preaching um, to the youth group I was a part of, and um, when I was done preaching, I, I'd preach a couple times a year, when I was done preaching, this one youth that was a punk in our youth group came up to me. Now, how, if you grew up in church, every youth group had at least one kid that was just a punk. Every youth group. If you're thinking, our youth group didn't, <laughs> it was you. This one kid, this one punk, I won't say his name, but his name was uh, Jared, uh, came up to me after I preached. I was 21 years of age, and he said, hey, you didn't use the Bible once when you preached. And I just blessed him. I said, shut up, in Jesus' name. <laughs> yeah, I did. You, no, you didn't use the Bible once. I'm like, come on, you're a punk. And I walked away, and I started thinking about it, and I thought, no, I, I talked about the Bible. I quoted stories from the Bible, like you know, when David and Goliath, and Goliath stepped in, and David said this, and I talked about Jesus, but I realized I actually didn't open my Bible, read scripture, or teach from the word of God. It so convicted me as a 21-year-old preacher, from that moment on, I said, no matter what, I will preach the Bible, not opinions, not stories, not jokes, I will preach from the word of God. In fact, um, we preach a lot of the Bible in our messages, but we start it with the Word of God. And for the last 27 years, I've done my best to make sure that every message that has ever come across my mouth will come from the Word of God. I want to encourage you today that the Bible, the Word of God, is a pillar in our lives. Not just for preachers, not just for authors of books, but for Christians. If you're a Jesus follower in this place, your Bible is a pillar, just like confession and prayer and worship and giving. The Bible is a pillar in your life. It's a pillar in your life. I want to talk today about the Word of God. The Bible is God's Word. If you grew up in church, you've heard that before, but you need to think about that today. The Bible is actually God's Word. Interesting stats with the Bible. I heard these this week. That the Bible was written over 1,600 years by 40 authors, written on 13 countries, on three continents, in three languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. The numbers between 60 and 100 million Bibles are printed every year. Between 60 and 100 million. Just to give you a perspective, to be a bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list, you need to sell 100,000 books a year. 
The Bible sells more than 100,000 books before lunch every single day. It is a best, the ultimate bestseller. Between 60 and 100 million copies are printed every single year. Presently, there are over 6 billion Bibles on the planet. They've tried to burn it. They've tried to ban it. They've tried to ignore it. It's supernatural, and it's unstoppable. It's the Word of God. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. The Bible is a pillar, pillar of strength in an ever-changing world. The world is changing so fast. And it's interesting, as I talk to pastors and listen to preachers um, around the world, there's a line being drawn right now in this season, like I've never seen it in my almost 30 years of preaching. I've never seen a sign where there's been a line drawn uh, in churches and pulpits everywhere to either change and be relevant with the culture or hold on to the word of God in its completeness. There really is a line being drawn between preachers and pastors and churches. Will we change the word of God? Will we change what we believe to stay relevant, to stay culturally sensitive, to, to be normal and nice with our culture, or to draw a line and hold to the word of God, to preach the Bible or preach opinion? Don't know if you're aware of this. That's why that compliment meant so much to me. Because there's a line being drawn. Opinions, I've realized this, opinions changed. You ever changed your opinion? I have on a lot of things. Changed my opinions on sports teams I cheer for, politicians I thought were good. Come on, somebody. On coffee shops I visited, opinions change all the time. Opinions change. I've learned this, that information becomes outdated. Identities get redefined. Sexuality becomes blurred. Lines get crossed. But the Bible is living and powerful. It's unchanging when read, but it always changes those who read it. This is the only book you don't read. It reads you. And it always brings you higher. Always makes you better. Always gives you strength. It's unchanging, but it changes us, the reader. And we as a culture have chased our own truth. We see it everywhere. We chase its freedom and They've only found more anxiety, more confusion, and more pain. I feel like this is even a defining time as a church for us in this season. And you're going to ask, are we really going to follow ancient scriptures that they found scrolled up as scrolls in caves and put together and we believe is the, is the breath and the word of God? Are we really going to follow ancient scriptures put together from thousands of years ago? And the answer is yes. We live in the most depressed generation in the history of the world. And we've never chased freedom more. We have more freedom than any generation before. You can be whatever you want, think however you want, do whatever you want. And we've chased freedom. We've only been given depression and anxiety. And everything we've invented and every new thought we've come up with has only led us into more of a prison of depression, anxiety, and fear, and pain. Will we hold to the old scriptures? Yes, we will. Even in this season, maybe some in this church, you don't, you don't want to follow that. And it might be the time that maybe God wants to lead you out of our church. But I believe God's bringing people even to our church going, listen, I've tried things. I've tried to update my thoughts. I've tried to uh, follow culture. I've tried to be relevant. And I find myself riddled with anxiety and pain and depression. I want to encourage you. This is not just a starting point. It's a blueprint for our lives. It is the word of God. And the God that made you is the God that knows how we're supposed to live and how, what we're supposed to follow and how we're supposed to think. And I'm so thankful for the word of God that is living and powerful and changes us. Can someone say amen?
God's word is not a, it's his blueprint, it's his manual for life. And the line's being drawn. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, look at this verse. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture. All of it. All of it. We believe the whole Bible is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. You see that there? Do we have that verse? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It corrects us when we are wrong. And it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You need to know this. The Bible corrects us when we are wrong. And here's what I've read about my life. I am often wrong. And I know you. You are often wrong. If you don't have a God that can correct you, that's not a God, that's a pet. And we have a culture that wants to make God a pet that we see. We don't come home to at the end of the day, what we come to on Sundays. And we give them a little treat, and we just say, good to see you, but stay in your place. Sit, 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 stay. And we go about our lives. God is not a pet that we toy with. He is a God to follow. And he corrects us. And he uses the word of God. Corrects us when we're wrong. Psalm 119, verse 89 in the message version. What you say goes, God, and stays as permanent as the heavens. Your truth never goes out of fashion. It's as relevant as the earth when the sun comes up. Your word and truth are dependable as ever. That's what you ordered. You set the earth going. All the word of God is permanent. What God says goes. It's never out of fashion. Verse 60 of that same passage. Your words all add up to the sum total truth. It's no say there's not my truth and your truth. There's only truth. And the word of God is the standard we build our lives around. Are we going to follow this ancient text as a manual? Yes, we are. When we follow God's word, we are promised strength. We're promised peace. And we're promised protection. You need to hear me, church. We as a church will preach the word of God, the parts we cheer for and the parts we are convicted by. We will preach it all. It's a pillar in our lives. If you remove this pillar from your faith, it's no faith at all. It's a shaky club. It's a shaky thing of culture. It's a gathering of community, but it is not following Jesus. We as a church and as Christians and Jesus followers put this Bible back where it belongs as a pillar of our faith. The Bible is also the heart of God. Well, how do we know this? Because whatever's in the heart, the Bible tells us, will come out as words. Spoken and also posted on Facebook. Some of you learned a lot about your family members. Crazy Uncle Joe. You're like, we don't have a crazy Uncle Joe. Every family has a crazy Uncle Joe. You don't have a crazy Uncle Joe. Some of you in these last three years, you saw things like, I had no idea that they thought that way. I had no idea they believed that. Why? Because what's in the heart comes out. Look at this verse in Matthew 12, 34. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. This word, this Bible, is the actual heart of God flowed out as words. God's heart for us flowed into the words of these pages. God's word is God's heart. Some of you are wondering what God thinks towards you, what his heart is towards you. The reason why we don't know is because we don't read the scripture. We have churches that know how to sing songs, but they don't know the word of God. 
Churches that are famous for writing and singing scripture, singing songs, but they actually don't know the scriptures. I thank God for worship music. Good worship music is actually good theology taken from scripture. But we know the songs by heart, but we ignore the scriptures. It's actually the heart of God. If you want to know how good God is and how much he thinks about you, how much he loves you, how compassionate he is, you need to read his words because it's his heart on pages. When you hear the Bible, you're hearing the very heart of God. God gave Jesus in the Bible the same name. Look at this. He calls him the Word. He calls both Jesus and the Bible the Word. Have you ever seen that before? They're not identical, but they're inseparable. Jesus and the Bible. He calls them both the Word. Look at Revelation 19, 13 in the New King James. He was clothed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. You need to know today that losing the word is losing Jesus. Ignoring the word is ignoring Jesus. I grew up under this preacher hearing him on cassette tapes. Cassette tapes were these things we used to have, young adults, back in the day, named Derek Prince, and he would say it like this, you don't love God more than you love his word. Listen, if you ignore the word, you're ignoring Jesus. People say, I don't know about all that, I just love Jesus. You can't love Jesus more than you love his word. God said, you are called the word in flesh. He called this the word of God, and he called Jesus the word of God. They're not uh, completely the same, but they are inseparable. Why? Because God has a word. Losing the word is losing Jesus. Jesus and the Bible go together. The Bible is more than a book today. You need to know this, it's actually the Bible is a weapon. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we just read it, calls it a sword that actually cuts in and removes parts of our heart and lives that is sinful and far from him. It's a weapon, not a weapon to be used against people, not a weapon to hurt culture, not a weapon to beat people over the head with, but a weapon to defeat hell and the sin in our hearts. But the Bible is a weapon. Some of us think it's a good uh, end table book, or we think it's something we just leave in our car. It's actually a weapon. Ephesians six seventeen says, "Put on the salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. A weapon, not against people, but hell and sin. It is a weapon." Paul was saying here that you put on the helmet of salvation, which means you've experienced Jesus. And so many people in this room, you've experienced Jesus in our church and elsewhere. You've, you've experienced Jesus, the helmet of salvation. But it goes on and says, but then you need to get into the word as a part of your lives. And thank God for salvation moments. Thank God when you have a revelation that you were lost and you were far from God. But Jesus sent his son to die for you, to redeem you, to rescue you. Salvation is a moment. Oh, but we need to get into the word to build your faith. It's a sword, it's a weapon, it's a tool to build your life. The armor of God is all defensive, it goes on to say. But the word of God is offensive. And some of you need to go on attack in your life with the word of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 4, I'm not going to read it today. But Jesus is being tempted at the very start of his ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is starting his ministry and says he was led by the Spirit into the desert. And when he's there, he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of it, the, the, the devil comes to him and starts tempting him. He says, if you do this, I'll give you kingdoms. If you do this, I'll give you power. Just bow down and make this happen. 
And Jesus over and over and over quotes scripture and says this, it is written. You know, it's interesting to me, Jesus didn't sing a song. He didn't play a podcast. Jesus didn't even quote his experience. I don't know about you, but sometimes I believe in the power of your testimony. I believe it. Revelation chapter 12 says there's power in our testimony. But Jesus didn't even bring up in his weakest moment being tempted by the devil, never said, you know, I was born of a virgin. He didn't say, you know, like, I saw wise men come and visit me, the rulers of ancient lands, and bring me gifts because I must be chosen and called. He didn't bring up miracles saying, you know, listen, I turned water into wine. He didn't even say, I just got baptized and I heard God say, you're my son who I'm well pleased. You know, it's interesting, Jesus didn't quote his experiences. And in my toughest moments, sometimes I go back and go, God, I thank you that you did this. And God, I'm thankful that you were here. And I'm thankful that you never left me there. And there's good. But I'm listening, we're missing something sometimes when we don't use the scripture. Jesus, in his weakest, most tempted moment, didn't quote a preacher. He didn't sing a song. He didn't go back to his childhood. He said, it is written. There is something about the word of God. It is a weapon that is sharper than a two-edged sword. Some of you feel like hell's coming against you today. I want to encourage you. You need to use the weapon that is the word of God. It's foundational in our faith. Jesus didn't sing against the enemy. He didn't play a podcast. He said, it is written. There's freedom that comes when you know his word. That's how we fight against the hell attacking in our lives. Is hell coming against you, church? We get the prayer requests, so many prayer requests every week. I know hell coming against my life and my family and your family. Listen, if hell's coming against you today, I want to encourage you. We have a weapon that is unstoppable. It's the word of God. Dealing with hopelessness, look at this, Isaiah verse 40, verse 31. But those whose hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Feeling weak today from hopelessness, feeling like you don't have any hope? Feel like you're being overwhelmed by, 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 the, by pain and disdain, being overwhelmed by causes, being overwhelmed by all the issues of life. Listen, we have a hope in the Lord. He renews our strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And some of you feel like you're fainting in your faith. You're, you're going out for the last time. You're, your spiritual eyes are closing. Know today that we have hope in the Lord. He is our strength. Is fear coming against you? Oh, there's a weapon for that. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And I don't know if they're going to walk out. I don't know if, what they're going to ghost you and they're going to block you. And someone's not going to leave you on red and not reply. You need to know today that God will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not abandon you. You can quote it and take it to the bank. The promises of God are yes and amen. He will not forsake us. It's a weapon. Feeling lonely today? Dealing with depression today? Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the person of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, when you're filled with the presence of God, you don't need to feel lonely. You can be alone and not alone. You can be in a crowd, but know you have the personal presence of God. You can be alone, but never feel alone. There's something with the Holy Spirit in your life and a joy unspeakable and full of glory, a joy that you can't define, but you can't shut down. You can't deny it or define it, but there's a joy available. I believe there's a joy coming back to his church when we read his word. 
It's a promise, church. Defeat the hell of depression and loneliness. You need a miracle today, physically, emotionally, financially. Mark 10, 27. Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. You see that? All things are possible. We are a church that believes in miracles since he came along, that holy thing. Thank you for the one person that got that quote. We believe, in a, we believe in a God that does miracles. We believe God heals bodies. We believe those of you teenagers, young adults, parents that are dealing with mental health, that God can heal you. It's not your fault. It's not just your, it's not a weakness. God can come in and heal a miracle in your life. He can bring hope into your life. You're dealing with depression, God can cast that off of you and heal it, whether it be chemical, whether it be your past, or whether it be something else, God can heal you. We believe cancer can dry up in Jesus' name. We believe for miracles. Why? Because anything is possible with God. It's a weapon. Your Bible is a weapon against hell. Some of you have given your lives to Jesus in our church. But I want to encourage you, there's a deeper level in following Jesus that he wants to take you. There's a deeper level he wants to take us. And it's built on the word of God. 1 Peter 1.23 For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life. That's why we call the church Nova. It's Latin for new. A new life. You need to know today, a new life is possible. You're like, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've been with. You don't know where I was last night. You need to know that God wants to give you a new start and a new life. You get a second chance. You get a third chance. You get a hundredth chance. Why? God wants to give you a new life. Nova is Latin for new. I'm so thankful for the new life, the Nova life that God wants to bring us. But it says your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal, watch this, living word of God. Oh, this is more than just a book we bring on Sundays. It's more than just a book we forget on our coffee table. It's actually the foundation of this new life. I'll tell you, there's deeper levels than what we've experienced. There's more than just next steps. There's more than just Alpha Course, which we're going to be launching after Easter. There's more than just being on the dream team. There's more than just going to Nova groups. There's more than just gathering for a service. If you can find us, there is more, and it's found in the Word of God. You may have started your journey, but God wants to take you deeper and further. There's more on God's presence on your life. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Come on, worship team, join me today. The truth will make you free. And the sound of my voice, some people here, you need to know there's freedom available to you. You walked in here feeling heavy and struggling. Some of you are watching online today from all over the world. You feel the weight of the struggle and the bondage you're under. You need to know, you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. I was talking to my mother this week, and if you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, you know their story of, of, of salvation. My mom and dad, my mom, you'll see her on the doors. She's still the greeter. She's the one that doesn't understand social distancing. She'll just hug you. She'll hug you. If you don't like that hug, go another door. She ain't stopping. We tried to. We tried to get her to stop. She hugged me and said, no, I'm not going to stop. You know my dad, he drives the truck. He's the, he's the guy always cornering you to tell you a story. They're in this church and they're around. Been a part of this church for any amount of time, you know their story. They weren't always the, the people you see them to be today. In their early 30s, they were riddled with addiction to alcohol and depression and suicidal thoughts. We've shared this before. The lowest point 
of their lives was my father was uh, a functioning alcoholic. He worked all day and drank all evening and continuing this cycle of of drinking and working and drinking and working. And my mother became so depressed, she became suicidal. And the lowest point was she sat down with pills to try to kill me at age four months and my sister who was five and take her own life. The spirit of suicide is not a new thing. It wants to snuff out the most valuable lives. Some of you are having some dark thoughts, been in some dark places. It's because you're so valuable. You think something's broken in me. No, no, you're just under attack. You are precious. You are valuable. You are, you are gifted. You are lovely. She sat down with pills to take my life as a baby and my sister as a five-year-old and take her own life, and God stepped in know the story. A couple days later, the neighbor knocked on the door and invited my family to church. And the long story short, my family went to church and they met a living God and a great church that welcomed people. My mom gave her life. My father didn't go. Men are often slow to it. Thank God for women in the church. They went, my mom went, and me and my sister went. My mom experienced the forgiving, life-changing power of Jesus Christ. She understood confession and redemption. It was a beautiful moment. But she didn't know anybody in the church. I was talking to her this week. I said, Mom, what happened after that day in Spryfield when you got saved? Sidekill Spryfield. If you're not laughing, you've never been. So just so you know. Well, what happened the day after? She goes, you know, on Monday, Pastor Sheila from the church, she goes, I'll never forget it. She drove this ugly green car. And she came up to my house and knocked on the door and came in and said, so you were at church yesterday? My mom's like, yeah, I was at church yesterday. Fresh off of trying to kill her kids and take her own life, walked in and met Jesus. The next day, she, this pastor showed up and said, do you have a Bible? Mom goes, I don't have a Bible. She goes, you need to go to the Bible store. Mom goes, that's weird. There's a store just with Bibles? She's like, yeah, there's different sizes, different types, different versions, different covers. Some of you aren't laughing because you're like, that is weird. We used to have these stores where we used to have books years ago. Yeah. She went to this Bible bookstore, and you walk in, there's all these, but she goes, I don't have a car. And Sheila said, I will drive you to the Christian bookstore, to the Bible bookstore. Me and my sister and my, and my mom jumped in this car, and car seats, and snotty noses, and we, that fall, she drove my mom to a Christian store. Mom picked out a Bible, a brown Bible. Mom still has it in her house. Sheila said, you got to read this. you got to read this. Mom said she started to read this Bible. She goes, I ate this Bible. I chewed this Bible. I couldn't get enough of it. She said, I started inviting my friends from the neighborhood over to sit around the table, and I'd read it to them. She said, I'd roll my cigarettes and read the Bible. These papers make great cigarette rollings if you need to. She said, I would roll my cigarettes seal them, and read the Word of God. And Sheila would come visit me and talk to me about, about the Bible as I'm smoking cigarettes. She didn't care. I see you know, cigarettes won't send you to hell. Just make you smell like you've been there. That's all. She said, I got to the part in the Bible where it says you should tithe and give. And she said, oh, man, Gary will kill me. He doesn't even like that I'm going to church. But I'm going to start giving money to church. She said, so I hid it from him. And I gave anyway. She said, the Bible said it. I did it. That was it. 
Can I encourage you? The change that happened in my parents' lives, my father giving his life to Christ, giving up alcohol, in a moment God delivered him. The freedom they found in their marriage, in their parenting, the freedom that I was raised in, and my sister and my brother, who's actually a deacon at this church, the freedom that we experienced as a family came. Thank God for salvation, but thank God it was rooted not in an experience, not in a set list of songs, not in dim lights or the right atmosphere, but it was founded in the Word of God. It is where our foundation that we flow from. I'm going to read it again, 1 Peter 1, 23. For you have been born again. Some of us, life has not been good the first time through. God, I wish I'd get a redo. Where can I reset? Since you've been born again. Not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. Because it comes from the eternal, living word of God. My friends, this is more than just a book. It's more than just history or poems. It's more than statistics. It's more than things that you don't agree with or things that you love. It is actually living and powerful. And it changes lives. And the freedom I enjoy... It's from the word that was read. It became a part of the faith. Are you struggling today? Are you weak today? Feeling like you're ready to faint today? Oh, just know this, that there is a word of God. It's a weapon. It's the heart of God. It's the word of God. It's the foundation of our faith. When you read the word, you read the very message from the God who loves you and wants to save you today. The pillar of reading God's word, God teaches. It teaches God's truth. It reveals God's heart. It shows God's plan. And it's met with God's power. That is the word of God. Let the Bible change your life. And as for us, in our house, we believe the word of God. All over this place, can you stand to your feet today? We're going to worship. I want to pray for you. And then Pastor Matt's going to lead us today. Why are we teaching on the pillars? Because it's a time where everything can be shaken is being shaken. Economy is shaking. Fears of nuclear war and AI and diseases and viruses. People have never had a harder time affording groceries. There is mental health and physical health and everything can't be shaken. But in the middle of that, there is a confidence in the faithfulness of God. Notice it doesn't say the faithfulness of church. If you love God, you'll love his church. Some of us just love church, but you don't love God. God will correct you, but he'll also encourage you. He'll heal you. If you want to know what God thinks, read his word. It's a weapon. It's alive. It'll challenge you. It'll raise you to another level. With every head bowed, just for a moment, every eye closed. Say, Pastor Mike, I feel like a part of my faith is weak today. I just want to bless you with strength. Some of you need to put pride at the door. You need to grab a Bible on your way out. You don't need a Christian bookstore. We got one right here. Grab one on the way out. Download it on your phone. Put it on your iPad. And start reading the Word of God. Start in Matthew. Start reading the Word of God, what Jesus thinks about you, what Jesus has done for you, what God has a plan for you. You watch the strength that will start to fill in your life. You watch the foundation start to grow in your life. Songs will fade. Gatherings will fade. Opinions will change. Lines will get blurred. But the word of God never changes. 
every head bowed, you say, Mike, I just want you to pray for me today. I feel like my faith is shaking. I feel like I'm, I, have, I have a weakness in my faith. And every head bowed, would you just raise your hand so I can see? You, you love Jesus. You know Jesus. But you feel weak today. So many in this place. So many. Put your hands down. Let's pray today. Let's believe today for the very presence of God to fill your life and for his word to be the thing that we hunger for. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for the honesty and the vulnerability in this room. God, we say together, our heart is not just to grow a church. Our heart is not just to sing songs. Our heart is to serve you and love you for all the days of our lives. God, I pray for those that are feeling weak today that they'd feel your strength. I pray for those that are struggling with doubts that, Father God, your, that your word would give them truth today. For those that are struggling mentally that, Father God, you would give them not a spirit of fear but of love power and a sound mind. I pray where there is fear today, Lord, it would be gone. Where there's pain, it would be gone. Where there's turmoil, it would be gone. Father, we pray you would rush in with your goodness. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. And God, I'm asking that there would be a hunger for your word that grow in this church. That we turn to it before we turn to our phones and our apps and our entertainment. That God, we'd understand that out of this is the basis of our eternal life and the foundation of our faith. That, Father, as the hell comes against us, we will stand in confidence because you are God and you are good and we have your word. I pray for a desire to grow in this church, a desire for your word, conversations to be around. I read this week. Did you see what God said this week? And God, I pray as we learn your word, Father, our strength would increase. I bless them with your presence and I bless them with your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said.